I could have helped to nurse him back to health. But then he would have been sent back to play out his part in the war, and how could she have let him go? Beneath the patient's smiles, they all knew what awaited them when they recovered and were well enough to take up their rifles again and fight on. Claire rushed towards the house. Jimmy said, Late again. He looked embarrassed and Claire understood. He didn't know what to say to her now that her soldier sweetheart was dead. Nobody knew what to say to her. Nobody knew how to help her through the first agonising days. Good morning, Jimmy. She ran on. There was no sign of Greta ahead of her. Keep going, Claire. Just get through today. Keep busy. You're not the only one who has lost someone you love. Forget your own problems and think about the patients. Merle Place had been taken over by the government six months earlier and turned from a private house into a hospital. The huge ten-bedroomed house, which had been left to her by her grandfather, was temporarily no longer her responsibility. She was simply another ward maid, with one difference. She was allowed to live separately in the small flat above the stable block. The front door was already open, and a military truck with a large red cross on the side was parked outside. The day's intake of wounded men was being helped down from the rear of the vehicle. New patients. One of them whistled at her as she rushed past. She managed a brief smile and dashed into the hall, which now smelled permanently of antiseptics and Jay's fluid, and from there into the large front room, a room which had once been her grandparents' elegant morning room. It was now the staff room. Claire found a seat next to Caroline, one of the trained nursing staff, who smiled and whispered, Just in time. Seconds later, a freshly starched matron swept in and silence fell. One of the sisters read out the rotor for the day and Claire was assigned to the meal trolleys. Down to the kitchens. Push the trolleys round the wards. What will it be today? Breakfast of porridge with bread and jam to follow? Or maybe scrambled eggs on toast? A lunch of corned beef hash and peas or perhaps fish cakes? Supper of cheese sandwiches and a slice of currant cake? Not that Claire had an appetite. It had shrunk to match her failing zest for life. But Caroline, acting like a mother hen, did her best to see that she didn't lose too much weight. Keep thinking, Claire. Keep your mind on anything and everything, anything to keep the grief at bay. She would smile and joke with the patients. Good morning, Sergeant Willow. Feeling more awake today? You were snoring fit to burst yesterday. Better for a sight of you, miss, that's for sure, but don't tell my missus I said so. How are you, Corporal Tanner? Got a tip for the 2.30? Come a bit closer, darling, and I'll whisper it in your pretty little ear. Sometimes what they whispered was quite shocking to ladylike ears, but Claire understood and forgave them. The men hid their fears any way they could, while the lonely women hid their heartache. Chapter 1. Merle Place, 
Tuesday the 4th of May, 1920. At exactly five to nine, Claire set down the jug of hot water and tapped on her cousin's bedroom door. Was he awake? Probably not, she thought with a resigned sigh. He would think 9am ridiculously early to drag himself from his bed. Nervously, her hand went up to her hair, which she had swept up into the usual untidy mass, but which she had secured with more hairpins than she would normally use. She had also dressed with care in a grey skirt and jacket over a white blouse with her mother's pearl brooch at the neckline. This last was to give her confidence, but so far it hadn't worked and her stomach churned with anxiety. Come on, Donald, she muttered and, hearing nothing, knocked again more loudly. Are you awake? When she received no reply to her...